There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Well, I got to tell you, I like Leighton Howerton. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to any of his music or not. That that old boy can tell some stories and song. Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer sitting in for, well, I don't know if I'm sitting in for Rob Pugh or whether I'm sitting in for Mike Heath or whether I'm pinch hitting for both of them. But both of them were kind of incapacitated today and asked me if I would uh, be uh, able to sit in and and host the show today. Honored to do it. In fact, uh, man, I got to tell you, I hear from a lot of people who read Read the Wisconsin Christian News. It's amazing. The emails that I get, people pat me on the back. Sometimes people are smacking me on the back of the head. They don't like exactly what I wrote, but it's the first time ever that I've had the chance to sit in and, and host this show for Rob and for, for Mike Heath, and it's an honor to be able to be able to be here. Uh, we're in perilous times, aren't we, friends? Crazy things going on in America, and I got a good guest with us here today, John Diamond. I'm going to bring John in here in a second and uh, just try to I want. I kind of want to do this. Uh, I do this as a joke. I don't know if this makes some of you feel a little bit better out there or not. I'd like to put my mask on and show you how much masks don't work. Uh, can you see my glasses? These are dollar store glasses, by the way. I like to tell people I put my glasses on. The more I talk, the more my glasses fog up. Why is that? Wow, it must not work. So if, if you're worried about catching COVID from me, Take my mask off, and hopefully, I won't be able to come through the internet. Uh, whatever happened to America, friends? How did how did we get ourselves in the situation we find ourselves in today? Where, uh, as I often say on my my own show, Coach Dave Live, here on my shirt, CoachDaveLive.com. Um, the First Amendment of the Constitution guarantees us five different rights, if I remember right. You know, freedom of religion, the press, the right to uh, 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 I said religion, speech, press. My brain just kind of goes dead. But one of them that we don't talk a whole lot about is the last one mentioned in the First Amendment of the Constitution, and that is the right to peaceably peaceably assemble to petition our government for a redress of grievances. One of the problems we have in America today is there really is no redress of grievances. Just look at what went on in the election. I don't care which side of which team you're on in the election, whether you don't, I don't really care if it was a college football game or professional football game or basketball game or baseball game, everybody would be screaming for instant replay. In fact, football coaches have that little red flag they pull out and throw it out on the field and say, uh, hey, I'd like to check that out on the 
Uh, I'd like to have another review on that. And the referee goes under the hood and looks in and everything, right? And then he comes out and he says, upon further review, and then he tells us what they found out when they looked at the replay. There's no replay in the election. You can have a, you can have a replay, further review in a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game, but no further review. No, no, somebody goes under the hood and checks to make sure everything's operating and something as important as an American election. And so, I think, you know, one of the things that we, we do a lot here at Coach Dave Live, Pass Assault Ministries, is we try to hold our elected officials accountable. Hillary Clinton works for me. She works for you, folks. We don't work for her. Joe Biden doesn't. He works for us. We don't work for Joe Biden. We don't work for Kamala Harris. She works for us. Every one of your elected officials, you don't work for them. They work for us. And the problem we're having in America, from my perspective, is who do you turn to? When you think that maybe the election was stolen, who do you turn to? When you think that your elected officials aren't representing you, who do you turn to? When you think that you're getting a bad deal, whether it be from your government or from somebody else, and you want to file a lawsuit, who do you turn to? There is, my friends, in America, no redress of grievances anymore, getting less and less so anyway. And although this is a different topic, I want to throw it out there because I think it's important for us to stop and think about. If the right to have a uh, petition the government for redress of your grievances, in other words, to go to your government or somebody higher and have your complaints rectified, it's a right. It's just like free speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press. Can somebody explain to me why you have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get a lawyer to go have a redress of your grievances? Whatever happened in America, we're defending yourself or being treated properly, equal justice under the law. When did it become so expensive? And why should a God-given First Amendment inalienable right, the right to petition your government for redress of grievances, why do you have to take out a loan in order to be able to do that? Boy, there's a lot of issues that we could talk about. But I'm bringing on uh, today, being joined today by uh, Dr. John Diamond. That, that maybe is a name that may not be familiar to many of you, but should be, or will become more so. John Diamond and I, I'm from, I'm from the Columbus, Ohio area, folks. And John, Dr. John Diamond and I go back a long time. We go back to 2003. We went to Judge Roy Moore down in Montgomery, Alabama, when they were taking the Ten Commandments out of the, out of the uh, courthouse down there. John met, met John down there. I met Alan Keyes down there. And uh, John and I have kind of, in the last couple of years, since, every, since all the things we've been warning people about over the last 20 years are now starting to come true, people become more and more interested in what it was we've been saying. And so uh, it's funny how things cycle around. Both John and I were on with Dr. Alan Keyes on his IMTV. I don't know if you guys are even familiar with that, but Dr. Keyes has a daily show on I am, the great I am, IMTV. And John and I were able to be down in the Knoxville, uh, Tennessee area uh, last week, have three hours on that show with, with Dr. Alan Keyes. And John and I talked all the way down. We talked all the way back. And uh, John Diamond has written several books. An Appeal to Heaven, Appealing to Heaven being one of them. In fact, I may not have that title exactly right. But John says the thing that frustrates him so much is he, for 20 years, nearly 20 years, has been offering a solution to Christians for the mess we're in here in America, 
and what we do with our legal system. It seems to be so far out of whack. So I'm going to shut up, even though I've rambled on here for about eight minutes and bring John in. And John Diamond, Dr. John Diamond, the heck's going on, John? And how can we write this good ship? Well, that was good ship lollipop. Wasn't that uh, the Wizard of Oz? But this ain't the good ship lollipop. This is the good ship America. The good ship Titanic is going down. John, what can we do to, to write this ship? Welcome. Come on in. You have to mute yourself, John. You have to unmute yourself, but sorry. No, that was a great, great segue. Um, talking about Alan Keyes in 2003 when we were down there together. Um, it seems like everybody that went down there and supported him um, is, is, is coming full circle now. And that's, that's great. That, that's where I want to start because I have written three books and we'll talk about those as we go on. Um, but I was a theologian before I ever even looked at the first of our founding fathers documents. So I spent eight years in the air force. I took an oath to support and defend the constitution uh, against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And the ironic thing about that is I had never, ever in my life read the constitution, hmm. even, even up to the time that I had got out of the military, I wasn't required to, to study it in high school. I wasn't required to read it before I took the oath. So when um, I went, uh, got out of the air force after eight years, and then I went to seminary and spent four years in there, got my degree in theology. And that's when the 2003 Ten Commandments um, things happened. And that's when I went down and met you, met Alan Keyes um, and others. So what I did, and I really wasn't planning on going on any further, really, into a master's or a doctorate, which is what I have now, my master's in theology, my doctorate in Christian education. But I just went back after that, after we left Alabama. And I spent three years just researching anything that I could on our founding fathers. I was just read every document that I could possibly find. And, and the thing that that stuck out to me more than anything is our founding fathers quoted the Bible probably, uh, I think, 34 percent of the time. Uh, Spence, can you go to the Isaiah website, Isaiah 33, 22 website? This is John, John, if I can stop you right there, folks, I, I just want to tap you on the shoulder and let you know that 2003 was 18 years ago. And John Diamond and I went to Montgomery, Alabama to warn people that if we let them take the 10 commandments out of the courtroom, there's no longer going to be a standard by which our legal system is built. We warned you 20 years ago, 18 years ago. And here we are today. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Um, if you go to our website there, Isaiah 3322project.com, uh, I believe it is. And there's a quote a little further down on the web page that that these two uh, university, uh, let me just read it to you, uh, over a 10-year period, political science professors at the University of Houston analyzed over 15,000 writings and speeches by the founding fathers to determine the primary source of the ideas behind the Constitution. The three most quoted sources were the French French philosopher Montesquieu, English uh, jurist William Blackstone, and English philosopher John Locke. But the Bible was quoted more than any of these, four times more than Montesquieu, six times more than Locke, and 12 times more than Blackstone. 34% of the founding fathers' quotes were quoted either directly or indirectly from the Bible. And, and that is the thing that has been absolutely purged from our history books. And I and I, I thought when I, when I did this, so I ended up doing my doctoral dissertation. Um, the book ended up being called Fighting the Next American Revolution. Uh, I, I, I started it in 2003. I finally, three years of research, I did my doctoral dissertation and then I published it. Um, and when I did, 
And coach, you know this because this is where this is. You were the very first person to ever have me on for my uh, fighting the next American Revolution book. The problem was back then the Tea Party. I was too religious for the Tea Party. And I was too political for the church. So <laughs> me and you, me and you and Judge Moore and Alan Keith, we were all in this little limbo right between the two. Well, the great thing is now is, is uh, you know, the world is polarizing in, into two groups. And the Tea Party and the church are actually becoming a whole lot closer um, now than they ever were in the past. And, and, and it's important because, you know, those groups need each other because so, people that even defend the Second Amendment, you don't have a Second Amendment right if it doesn't come from God. So that is your really only your defense. And you can see that now. All right. So John, well, so you're John, not gonna make- I'm sorry, John. Let me let me jump in here real quick. Because, folks, listen. Here's the proper order of things. And again, this is Dr. John Diamond. John's a good, good friend of mine. He's wrote a book, An Appeal to, to Heaven. He's a cry for divine justice. We're going to talk about that in a second. But he also wrote a book back in 2003, if you can imagine this, Fighting the Next American Revolution. He said, this is coming to us, folks. This is where this thing is coming. And so here's what, here is where we've got things out of order. And one of the things I want to dive into a little bit here, John, is the whole idea that the Supreme Court of the United States has become the supreme being of this nation. In other words, they usurped the power. We had a coup thrown in America, my friends, and the coup was the Supreme Court determined that they were a higher authority than Almighty God. And because of that, we've seen America go rapidly downhill over the last 20 years with homosexual marriage and pornography and just run down through the litany of things that, that we see going on to the point where we can no longer trust our, our, our courts because why? It says in Psalm 11:3 that if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the foundation of the American government was the Ten Commandments of God. We've fallen away from that. And so John Diamond was warning back eight, 18 years ago. Hey, folks, there's another American revolution coming and the American revolution is coming because why? The foundations have been destroyed. Didn't mean to walk on it, John, but I think it's important for people to understand not only have we been warning them, you put it in writing and you also have a solution for the mess we find ourselves in now. Exactly. Yes, Pence, I just emailed you the link. Sorry, I thought I'd sent you the link to my next American revolution book, but I sent it to myself apparently. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's the great thing about it is, is cause I mean, uh, Mike Spalding just read my book last summer and I sent it over to him and he said, this thing was spot on. He said, you called this, you know, 15 years ago. He said, you need to republish this book. So, I mean, that's what I did. I republished it and I probably actually sold more copies now than I did all <laughs> in all the times I did in the, in the previous 10 years. But, but that's what we have to recognize. We have to go back. We have to go back in history and find out what our founding fathers believed. And, you know, we're about in 1775 again. We're, we're on the verge of another revolution. We're on the verge of another civil war. And we need started, to find John. some. The civil war yeah. has already started, folks. It's, right, right. It, we could call it a soft civil war at this point, a political. See, someone told me that politics is war without blood. Mm-hmm. Right? And war is politics with blood. That's the only that's the only difference in the two things, right? So we are already at war. We're just not at we're just not in a bloody war yet, but you would all agree with me and agree with John that we're in this mess that we're in right now because why? Because we're having things that go against our values forced upon us. Go ahead, John. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what I put in the book. I said, you know, 
here's what here's what I here's what I tell people. I said it's kind of like the guy that you warn for you know years not to fall out of the plane, and he ignores you and blows it off, and then he falls out of the plane. And, and then he calls you on the cell phone on the way down and say, you were right. What do we do now? Well, now you die. <laughs> you were warned over and over and over again. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm hoping it's not too late. And, and I think my, my second book. So there's the first one I wrote. I uh, just republished it again. Of course, we put a new put a new book cover on it and everything. It just had a generic book cover back in the day. Mike Spalding helped me with that. Um, and then we just re-released it. So if, if you want to know what the problem is, that's the book. If, okay, if you John, want to know the, let's get into what is the problem, John? Well, the problem is the United States Supreme Court, first and foremost. Um, what, what, the way that this book came to being, once, once I studied the Founding Fathers and I understood their mind, mindset and their worldview, what ended up happening was like, well, how did we get from there to here? Um, and I was watching the History Channel one time and they were showing this, this 92-year-old pilot um, and they showed a picture of him back when he was like 20 years old. And I thought to myself, you know what? The only way to really track how this guy aged was to start with a photo of him every year from 20 all the way to 92. And then I said, you know what? I should be able to apply that to American history. So what I did was I went back to the founding fathers, what they believed, the first American revolution, the constitution. And then, and then I take the reader systematically through, through American history and show you how our nation was overthrown incrementally, line by line, step by step. And it culminated with separation of church and state. We, we did not have a separation of church and state in America from the time the Mayflower landed until 1960. But when when they when they kicked God out, basically they removed Christ as king, lawgiver and judge. And they made us an atheistic society. So what I put in my book and I quote this all the time now, I said, America is no longer America. America is now an atheistic, communistic police state wrapped in an American flag as a facade. Everybody. Two thousand three. And I said, everybody poo-pooed that. And I said, guys, when they removed God in the early 60s, when they passed the Patriot Act in 2001, you guys have to understand you're living under an oligarchy. You are living, you are being ruled by a handful of judges who can do what they want when they want and nobody's stopping them. And it's only going to take one event for that mask to come off and you're going to truly find out what kind of government you're living under. Well, guess what? Here comes the COVID. And now all of a sudden, everybody's locked down. Everybody's forced to wear masks. Well, anybody's stupid enough to wear one. I was on an airplane not too long ago, and the lady the lady gave her a little briefing about everybody has to wear a mask. And then, uh, then she said, if the oxygen mask drops, please make sure you take off your mask in order to. I was like, what? You can't breathe oxygen through it? And everybody on the plane laughs. So we, we have to understand this is all part of God's plan. Everything that we've been saying is now being exposed. So I'm, I'm hoping you're going to listen to the people who have been saying this. We got a track record. Coach Dave, uh, Mike Spalding, Bradley Dean, uh, Alan Keyes. We've been saying this for years. So not only do we know what we're talking about, we also have the solution when it comes to the appeal to heaven because it's exactly what the founding fathers did when they when they ended the tyranny they were under. Let's go ahead and uh, let Jack come in. I see, folks, uh, the way this works here, those of you who are in what we call the, the queue here, if you have something in the comments you'd like to make, uh, just down at the bottom, it says, raise your hand. Just click on that, raise your hand, and then it pops up on my screen. And then we let you come in and have a dialogue with John and myself. He'd like to be able to do that. So Jack's got his hand up. Come on in, Jack. Hi, John, Dave. Um, 
you're just so spot on. This is excellent. I hope people, I hope this can be disseminated so people can actually listen to it. Um, John, how many of those people that are now trying to or rewrite, rewrite the Constitution do you think have read Blackstone, Locke, or Montesquieu? How many of them actually know how to write a law? Secondly, another question for you is how many of the people that are writing laws are actually perjuring their oath when they haven't even read the document to which they're writing laws to? Boy, I'll Jack, shut up and listen because I, I know you got some good answers. Well, good question. Hey, Jack, you know, one of the reasons I'll let John answer is because the citizens don't know the Constitution anymore. That'd be number one. We don't even teach it in our schools anymore. Go ahead, John. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what we're trying to fix with that Isaiah 3322 project. That's going to be created as a really a whole high school curriculum. I'll tell you what, Spence, you got that video. Uh, me and Coach were on Allen Keys. I talk about it. Uh, here it is. It's only a couple minutes. Watch this. Just thank God for the awakening that's going on around us, uh, Dr. Keys. I've been screaming it for a long time. You've been screaming it longer. John's been screaming it. And for the first time in a long time, I sense there's an audience. People understand oh, yeah. something's wrong. They don't yeah. exactly know what it is. Yeah. But uh, that's why we're here, isn't it? To try to help them understand exactly where we are and how we got here. Yeah, yeah. Well, John, where should we start? Re-education. Mm. Um, and that's, that's what we're working on here. Uh, my organization, Peacemakers Outreach, just started Peacemakers Publishing. Um, and we've just launched what I call the Isaiah 3322 project, if you're familiar with the scripture, um, that Christ is king, lawgiver, and judge. And mm -hmm. we have lost that. The mm -hmm. Christian church has lost it. We've definitely lost it as a nation. So this Isaiah 3322 project is going to be an entire high school history, law, and government curriculum from ninth grade to 12th grade, which seeks to counter everything the left is doing. So the left has the 1619 Project, the um, critical race theory, all this stuff that is teaching people to hate God, hate the country, and hate each other, our project is doing just the opposite. Love God, love the country, and love one another. Mm. And, and, and these two, these two worldviews, we know where they come from, the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist, mm -hmm. right? And that's what we see. We see a polarization in this country between those two worldviews. The fortunate thing is, we have far more people on our side. If people would just get behind what you're doing, what Coach is doing, what I'm doing with the Isaiah 3322 project, we can absolutely turn this country around. So Christ is king, lawgiver, and judge. By the way, John, that was the foundation of the American government, wasn't it? Three branches of government. Christ as king, president. Christ as lawgiver, the legislative branch, and Christ as judge, the Supreme Court, the, the judicial branch. All of them divided, friends. Now listen, it, it wasn't necessarily equal authority, equal powers, but e they had equal, I'm sorry, they were co-equal branches in that where they each had their own responsibility. But what's happened, and I'm not stealing your thunder here, John, is we've allowed the Supreme Court to become both king and lawmaker. They're not supposed to do either one of those, right, John? Without a doubt. I mean, every, everybody is basically overstepping. I mean, the legislature is probably about the only one, I mean, that isn't other than their unconstitutional rulings. But before it was just the Supreme Court that was really overstepping everything by making laws from the from the bench. Now you have governors 
who are overstepping everything. And and this this mandates and these lockdowns showed that because when, when, when this thing started, I mean, I wrote a letter to my corporate office where I worked and I said, governors don't make laws. I said, nor can they impose fines. I said, when, it, when, a, when a governor gives an executive order, that executive order applies to one group of people, and that's the people in their chain of command. That's what the executive branch is. If they wanted to pass laws and mandates, what they would have to do constitutionally is go to the legislature and say, I'm calling on the legislature to shut down businesses. I'm calling on the legislature to impose fines. The governor doesn't have any authority to do that. So the best way to explain it as a veteran, if you got a military base, you know, a couple miles from you, the general gives an order, a general order that applies to everybody on the base. All right. It doesn't apply to you. It doesn't apply to me because we're not under his chain of command. So a governor has zero authority to make laws, to make mandates, to impose fines. And everybody that's been standing up to him so far in the courts have won. All right. Because the courts have ruled even here in Pennsylvania. The courts have ruled that this guy, the federal court, said that this guy has greatly overstepped his boundaries, right? So that that's what and that's what we need to get back to. If you understand your rights, if you understand your constitution, if you understand where they come from, then you would basically say, so if I go into a store and, and, and someone says, why don't you have a mask on? I said, why would I wear a mask? Well, the governor said, I said, I don't work for the governor. The governor works for me. What, what about the American system of government do you not understand? When you when you put a person in office in America, you are not promoting them to leader or ruler. You are demoting them to civil servant. They work for us. He does not get to order me to do anything. And if we just understood that just from a constitutional standard, don't even bring God in, just understood that from a constitutional standpoint, nobody would have shut down their businesses. Okay. Nobody would have wore masks. So, so let, me, you do not- let me connect a dot here then, John. Let me connect a dot here, folks. I don't know. Uh, uh, this Wisconsin Christian News is all across America, and there are people probably watching us in jurisdictions all across America. And we all know the same thing, right? All of us are being forced to wear masks and social distance and our businesses being shut down. And it's all being done because of what? Because of a word that is, folks, a mandate is not a law. <laughs> Please tell me you know that. Please tell me you passed eighth grade social studies. When the governor issues a mandate, my friends, that is not a law. Now, if you go back to eighth grade social studies with me, I had Mr. Yoakum, Mr. David Yoakum in eighth grade social studies. He taught me this. That a law was made by mm, the House of Representatives. Somebody posted a bill in the House of Representatives and they passed it. And then it went to the Senate. And then when it went to the Senate, they either passed it or they had some changes. And they called that reconciliation and they got together and they figured it out. And then it went to the House and they said, okay, we approve those changes. And it went to the Senate and they said, okay, we approve those changes. So the House and the Senate agreed on the changes. And then it's the law, right? No, still goes to the president of the United States. And the president of the United States can either assign it, make it a law or veto it. But somebody, the president of the United States just can't make a law, friends. He just can't make a law. So we're living in a country now where most of you, whether or not wearing mask is the best idea since sliced bread, if wearing a mask is going to be required, they must pass a law. Friends, come on now. They must pass a law. And because we didn't stand up and push back against the masks, and I understand some of you want to wear masks. God bless you. I got a mask. I don't wear it. My body, my choice. 
If they want me to wear a mask, they have to pass a law. Well, why can't they pass a law? Because they don't have the authority to make me wear a mask. Don't, don't, don't we see how this works, friends? And don't we see how we have lost all of this whole idea of government now? We got the Supreme Court telling us what to do. We got judges telling us what to do. We got governors telling us what to do. We got health officials telling us what to do. We got city council and nobody is passing the law. Hey, John, I missed it here, have I? I mean, I'm pretty much on top of it. Wouldn't Mr. Yoakum, my eighth grade social study teacher, wouldn't he be proud of me today? Yeah, without a doubt. And, and I don't even think the American people know the mask is the tip of the iceberg. You don't know how many of your constitutional rights have been violated during this thing. Uh, I got a guy I work with. Um, so I live here in Pennsylvania and I, and I was considered an essential worker. So, you know, they said, well, okay, you can go to work and then you can go to the grocery store. But other than that, you're, you're confined to your house. You're quarantined, which you only quarantine sick people. Yeah. Um, but you, you've been under house arrest. Illegal, unconstitutional house arrest. Yes, I worked sir. with a guy. I worked with a guy up there um, who had his like third DUI, and you know what? He had to go through his court system before they could impose house arrest on him. So he went, and they finally went to trial, and they said, "Okay, you're under house arrest, but you have working privileges. You can go to work, and you can go to the grocery store." This is a three-time convicted DUI. Um, driver, and he at least had to go through the due process of the law before they can impose that on him. They have imposed without due process of law. You've committed no crime. They have basically put you under house arrest. I mean, there was a couple in ten in Kentucky. They put ankle bracelets on them. This is so unconstitutional. This is such a violation. No, John, they're arresting pastors for having church. Now, friends, pass a law. Show me the law. Why can't they show you a law? Because if there was a law, it would be unconstitutional. Do you, don't you see what's going on here? Don't you see how they've been playing us for two-card Monty? Oh, my goodness, friends. We've got to wake up. Listen, we're getting ready to run to a break here real quick, at bottom of, bottom of the hour break. When we come back, uh, we open up the phone lines. If you, want, if you want to be able to get in here, you can just raise your hand up and we'll get you in. But even more importantly, John Diamond has written a book, Appeal to Heaven. That's what our founding fathers did, an appeal to heaven, a cry for divine justice. It is the answer to the problem that we find ourselves in today. Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer sitting in for Rob Pugh today, Wisconsin Christian News, Mike Heath, the whole kit and caboodle, honored to be here. We'll be right back after this break. Have you been Looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls plus testing for heavy metals makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. At the McClario firm, it all starts with family. 
We are here to serve you and your family online or in person. Call today for a free consultation. The McClario Firm, your law firm for life. Start. Pornography is a destructive force. It destroys individuals, families, and fuels the out-of-control demand for sex trafficking. 45% of Christian families say porn is a problem in their home, but why aren't churches and public schools talking about this? Fear. People who view porn think they're the only one. It's a lie. Statistically, more people view porn than who do not and struggle in silence. www.lynnfrederick.com You can find the book I wrote about my own battle with porn and the presentations that I do for churches and public schools. lynnfrederick.com Tired of bad news? Do the teenagers in your life need a break from social media and mind-numbing entertainment? Wouldn't it be great to inspire them to connect with God and others and to live outside their phones? The Off the Itinerary series by M. Liz Boyle does just that, and reviewers love the blend of adventure and Christian themes. Readers enjoy the action-packed stories and relatable characters. Go to mlizboyle.com for discussion guides and purchase links. You know, it's uh, technology is amazing, isn't it, friends? I'm sitting here in uh, just outside Columbus, Ohio. John Diamond sitting just outside Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, the guy running the show, Spencer, stop that, please, Dave. My, my grandson's over here in the background. Apologize. Uh, Spencer's in someplace down in North Carolina. Harry's someplace else. Jack's up in Maine. And we're all able to get together. It's unbelievable. Can you guys imagine if Jesus Christ was alive today, which, of course, he is, and he had all of this technology can you imagine how he would have been able to use that technology to advance the kingdom of God? And boy, we are so far behind the eight ball sometimes in advancing uh, God's agenda, expanding the kingdom. And uh, boy, it's just an honor to be able to be here. Most, I want to thank again, Rob, Rob Pugh, Wisconsin Christian News. Folks, subscribe to the Wisconsin Christian News. In fact, I know Rob, Rob probably doesn't say this a lot. Try to go to your pastor. And get your pastor to give $50 a month to Wisconsin Christian News and then have these newspapers in your church. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I'm, uh, God bless your pastor, but he cannot possibly cover every subject on a Sunday morning service. And if you get the Wisconsin Christian News in the hands of the people, they are going to become more informed of exactly what's going on around us. So Wisconsin Christian News, uh, Rob started this this uh, TV show, whatever, for lack of a better term, a few years ago, and it's beginning to thrive as well. And uh, got the opportunity, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, I contributed at Wisconsin Christian News, got an opportunity to sit in for John, or for, uh, for uh, Rob today and Mike Heath and just, uh, just an honor to be here. And Dr. John Diamond is our guest. And if you've been following, if you're just tuning in, go back and watch the first half hour. If you're not tuning in, uh, we got we had enough people complaining and very few people offering solutions. And John Diamond, although he wrote the first book, uh, Fighting the Next American Revolution, 20, 18 years ago, he's written an, another book called What? An Appeal to Heaven for divine justice. And this wasn't something that John just kind of made up on his own, but this has a historical significance to it. And John, if you would take a few minutes and talk about the solution to the problem we find ourselves now in an appeal to heaven. It's up on the screen right there. An appeal to heaven, a cry for divine justice. Go ahead, John. 
well, let me let me let me tell your audience really how this came to be. I mean, I'd been praying for America for a lot a long time, um, and I'd memorized Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people will humble themselves and pray, you know, you know the verse. Um, and and I was praying that in my living room one day, uh, right right here where I'm sitting, right behind me. Um, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to lift up America. You know, your word says if my people will humble themselves and pray. And I hit a wall. As soon as I hit the word pray, I hit a wall. And I just really had a revelation. I'm like, wait, this scripture is not telling us to pray this scripture. This scripture is telling us what to pray. It's not telling us what, or it's not telling us what to pray. It's just telling us to pray. So, I mean, I was really at a loss for words. So, I mean, the scripture says that we do not know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit gives us, gives us wisdom and helps us to pray. So I said, okay, Lord, I have no idea what to pray for this country. Tell me what to pray. And the Lord said, Psalms 2. And I went to Psalms 2, and what's it say? The kings of the earth and the rulers have conspired together to basically say, let us create a separation of church and state. Read it there on your screen. Why do the heathen rage? This is heathens or people who do not know God, and the people imagine a vain thing. Okay, they think they can do something that they can't do. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. In other words, Whoa. let us create a separation of church and state. Sounds let like us a, separate. John, sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. The devil's working a conspiracy theory. Go ahead. It is a conspiracy. It is an absolute conspiracy, just as they conspired against uh, Daniel. You know, I mean, that was a conspiracy. The, the, these Christians who think conspiracy theories aren't real. I mean, Christ, Christ's resurrection was a conspiracy theory at the time. That's the way the Sanhedrin was spinning it. All right. We, we know we have a lot of times throughout biblical history that people have conspired against both God and his anointed. Um, but it says he that sits in heaven shall laugh. And, and if you go down, scroll down a little further there. Um, but then it not only tells us what the problem is. It tells us how to fix it. It says, ask of me and I shall give the uh, give you the heathen for your inheritance and, and the uttermost parts to the ends of the word. So I was like, OK, what's that mean? Ask of you. And the Lord said, appeal to heaven. And I had no idea what that meant. I thought it was just a scripture verse somewhere. Uh, you know how you're like, man, isn't there a verse somewhere that says something? So I Googled it and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, but then I found an old flag. Uh, the very first flag. And this is America's first flag. It's called the Appeal to Heaven flag. Before Old Glory, before our stars and stripes, they had the Appeal to Heaven flag. And basically what it comes down to this, and this is how you started the show, Coach, no redress of grievances. When the founding fathers, when their government was criminals, when their king, parliament, and court system was violating not only God's law, but they were violating their own British constitution, and they appealed and appealed and appealed, and there was nobody left to appeal to, they understood there was one left, one place left to appeal to, and that was uh, appeal to heaven. So when I talk to people that are, you know, against abortion, I say, why do we have abortion? Or Roe v. Wade, I say, why don't we appeal it? And they're like, they look at you like, what are you talking about? Where are you going to appeal it to? The courtroom of heaven, the throne of God is much a temple as it is a courtroom. All right, read Daniel. And the court was seated. We have to understand when you put Christ back in his position as king, lawgiver, and judge, you just don't see him um, in, in almost a temple or a worship environment, but you see him as the chief government authority. You see him as the chief government official. If you know your theology, when the prophecies that predicted Christ's coming, they did not predict him coming as savior. They predicted his coming as the chief government administrator. What's it say? 
Okay. We, well, I mean, what's it saying when it says, uh, to us a son is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. So mm. when Christ came the first time, what was the message? Where is he who was born king of the Jews? When he rode into Jerusalem, are you um, hail the king? When, when they stood before Pilate, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, I am. Put a crown on him, mock him, beat him, hang him on a cross, and here is Jesus, king of the Jews. So we've been preaching the gospel of salvation, the fact that Jesus is savior, and we have not been preaching the gospel of the kingdom, Amen. which is that Christ is king, lawgiver, and judge. Amen. A pastor should be preaching Christ as king, lawgiver, and judge 90% of the time and the savior message 10% of the time because you can only preach salvation to the same group of people. The great evangelist that, that changed this nation said this, and I can't remember which one it was. He said, preach 90% law, 10% grace because the law is the schoolmaster that'll bring them to grace, to their need for Christ. And that's what we've been preaching, nothing but Savior and grace, and we don't ever preach the law, and we don't ever preach Christ as king, lawgiver, and judge. Okay, so John, let me jump in here, because I want people to understand exactly what it is that John's saying. See, we've been taught in the United States of America that the ultimate arbiter of truth is the Supreme Court. That's all we've been taught. If the Supreme Court rules against us, there isn't anything we can with. That's all bogus, right? It's all a lie. But what what happens if you file a case in in your local your local courts and you don't get an uh, you don't get the, the satisfactory decision? You appeal it. You appeal it to the next court, right? To the appeals court, and then maybe you appeal it to the uh, state court. Then maybe you appeal it to the federal court, and eventually it makes its way up to the Supreme Court. But friends, the Supreme Court's not it. That's not the last court. We have to understand that there is a king who rules in the affairs of men, right? And so we appeal to the Supreme Court of the Supreme Judge of the Universe. What do we mean? We appeal to him and say, Lord, grant us justice, Lord. Lord, grant us justice. That's what many of the Psalms are about, the imprecatory Psalms. Lord, strike them down. Strike down our enemies. Lord, be exalted. Exalt the truth, Lord. Let justice reign, Lord. That's an appeal to heaven. And John Diamond is saying that the Christian church in particular has lost the whole idea that God is still the ultimate lawgiver, the ultimate judge, and that God himself can overturn these rulings of men. Have I hit that pretty good, John? Yeah, you you nailed it right on the head. I, I'm just thinking now, um, the, one of the alternate flags, and I don't know if Spencer can find it, was a flag that said an appeal to God, and it had a cloud with an arm coming out of it and a sword in its hand, um, basically showing that God would fight for us. We don't have to fight those battles necessarily. That God that God will fight those for us. Amen. So it says right it says right in the Declaration of Independence, we're appealing to the Supreme Judge of the Universe for the righteousness of our intentions. They understood there was another place to go. So when you've got a government that has rebelled against God and they will not hear your redress of grievances, you can still appeal to one last authority. Wow. So your, your job as a believer is to draw a line in the sand, God's law and the United States Constitution. We will not back down from either of these. If God says do it or not do it, we don't care what you say. 
All right. Here's what I told when you were me and we're in Millersburg. And this is what I told the church there. I said every single sermon or every single teaching you tell your little tiny children up there in a Sunday school class is a faith filled believer who told their government to go pound salt. Mm. I said the Hebrew midwives telling Pharaoh we're not killing babies. Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego telling them I'm not worshiping a statue. Daniel said, I'm going to pray and I don't care what you say. Mordecai not bowing to Haman or the apostles saying we got we got to obey God rather than man. Hebrews 11 faith does not exist in America because you've got the church that is bowing to Caesar rather than bowing to God. Every one of those people I just mentioned, go read Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a testimony of every person that understood who the highest authority in the universe was and said, we're going to obey God rather than man, regardless of what the government threatens us with. Hey, if I perish, I perish. Isn't that what uh, some uh, famous woman in the Bible said? She says, if I go, if I go to the king and I talk about that, he's going to take off, he's going to take off your head. She says, if I perish, I perish. Right? Why? Because ultimately, your hands are in the judge, the ultimate judge of the universe. And folks, we've rejected Christ. We've we've rejected the authority of God in America. Wouldn't it be a good idea? If we kind of went above the Supreme Court and we appealed to heaven, that's what John Diamond's plan is all about. Help us explain. John, help explain to us a little bit more for the average guy, man, woman watching the show. What what does an appeal to heaven look like? Well, this is really kind of part of the really what I call the Christian civil rights movement, because if you understand this, I mean, think about it when when. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, when Pharaoh enslaved the children of Israel, that was not lawful. He had no authority to do that. So basically Moses went in and said, hey, let him go. Not ask him, not, you know, the the king of the universe has given me a, a word for you. You need to let him go. All right. And that's the Exodus story, because when they were enslaved, what did they do? It said, I have heard my people's cry and I have sent you to go free them from the hands of this tyrant. So Exodus story is really really what I call the prototype in the book that everybody else that has been victorious and what we're looking to be victorious, they've used this model. The founding fathers used the appeal to heaven model. They put it in the Declaration of Independence. They made flags. They hung it on. They drew lines in the sand and said, no, we are not crossing these and we are trusting God. When you understand the abolition of slavery, we're trying to abolish abortion. The abolition of slavery was the abolition abolitionists saying absolutely not. And they used the appeal to heaven to end slavery. Martin Luther King drew lines in the sand. He disobeyed governments, bus boycotts, sitting at counters. You have to know what your rights are and where they come from and have the courage to stand for those rights. And then you have to call God in as the arbitrator. And this is what David did. But John, what are you going to say to those who say, no, 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 no. Uh, Dr. John, no, we're supposed to obey government. Romans 13 tells us very clearly that a Christians are good law-abiding people. Yeah, we're right. We obey God's law. That is the highest supreme. That I got an entire chapter on that in my book um, about, because the, the, the chain of command, if you read Romans 13, it says, let every soul, who's every soul, president, Congress, every judge, let every soul submit to the higher authority for there is no authority of, but of God. So you have God, you have government, and then you have the citizens. The question is, is what do you do when the government rebels against God? 
Pharaoh rebelled against God. Nebuchadnezzar rebelled against God. Darius rebelled against God. The Pharisees rebelled against God. And in every case, when you're put in a no-win situation that I got to disobey one of the two authorities above me, you better not disobey God. And none of the people in the Bible would have ever disobeyed God when it came down to that catch-22 situation. Folks, I like to, uh, because of Romans 13, people say, well, Jesus never got involved politically. Friend, listen, folks, let, uh, I don't mean to be condescending here. Jesus Christ was not under the rule of the Romans. In fact, when they took Jesus to Pilate, what did Pilate, what did Jesus, Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to crucify you, set you free? And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, you have no power over me unless it had been given to you on high. Jesus wasn't a Roman citizen. Pilate had no authority on it over him. But who did have the authority over Jesus Christ? Why, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. Well, somebody help me out here. Isn't that the guys he got in trouble with? Didn't he go into the temple and flip over the tables? Didn't he go into the synagogue? And after he got through preaching in the synagogue, they wanted to they wanted to get rid of him? And didn't they say, we don't have any law that can put a man to death. Let's take him to the Romans. Don't you understand that the authority over Jesus Christ was the religious system, and he fought back against that unrighteous religious system? He didn't fight the Romans because he wasn't a Roman. He fought against the, the established Jewish Sanhedrin because he was part of that. Or you got you understand it, folks? We've been we've been so lied to. We've been so lied to. If Jesus had been a the Apostle Paul appealed to his Roman citizenship, didn't he, John? Didn't he say, "I'm a Roman citizen"? And so they knew that they couldn't violate his his rights. Well, they. Pilate didn't feel good about killing Jesus because why? Pilate knew he had no authority over him. So Jesus didn't go appeal to Pilate. Why do we go appeal to government when they're in violation of the laws of God? Oh man, John, this is a deep teaching that the church sure needs to hear. Yeah, I, I think I probably did 15 weeks of it at, at, at the church I attend, and, and I mean, just just tearing it apart. I mean, an hour at a time. But uh, two of the two of the misnomers out there is that the the Pharisees and the Sadducees were religious leaders. They were not. They were the Democrats and Republicans of the day. They were part of the Sanhedrin. Read your Bible. It says the party of the Pharisees. Uh, my brother even said that to me one day. He was like, "Well, they were the religious leader." I said, "How can you be a religious leader and an atheist?" He said, what are you talking about? I said, the Sadducees were atheists. I said, they didn't believe. Remember what Jesus said? They believe in neither God nor spirit nor angel nor resurrection. They were the Darwinists of the day. So how can people that don't believe in any spirit, don't believe in God, don't believe in angels, don't believe in the resurrection, be a religious leader? They were like the Democrats and the Pharisees are like the Republicans. And the only time they ever teamed up with one another was when they came against Christ. That's what you're seeing in our country today. Amen, folks. So, I, you know, I know this. Uh, if we can, folks, you heard of the Nuremberg trials, didn't you? We all know what happened at the Nuremberg trials. Those guys who stood trial after the Second World War, they said, listen, we were just following orders. We were just following orders. And what came out of the Nuremberg trials? Well, that great line from the movie Cool Hand Luke, which is one of my favorite movies at all time. When Luke was being put into the hole, into the box, and he's gone in there, and the 
what the guard puts Luke in the box and puts the little cup in there, or the little toilet in there for Luke. And he sets it down. And he says, just doing my job, boss. He said to Luke, one of the greatest lines of all of movie history, Luke said, Colin is your job. Don't make it right. And that's exactly what the Nuremberg trials were about. Calling it your job doesn't make it right. When, when man's law comes in conflict with God's law, we have a moral duty to obey God and resist man. Folks, it's all throughout the Bible. Jack, you got your hand up. Come on in, brother. Okay, John, I'm sure you know this one. From 1790, in the Supreme Court, Robin versus Hardaway, biblical law at common law supersedes all laws, and Christianity is custom, custom is law. I think we've gotten away from it. Yeah, it's because of our ignorance that we've got away from it, because like I said, they've dumbed us down. I was never taught any of this stuff in the public schools. Um, it's not even being taught in the in the Christian schools today. Let me let me tell you why I started this Isaiah, excuse me, this Isaiah project. It, it, no, no, absolutely not. And and this book, even though it is be going to be written at almost like a ninth grade level, if you understand what's going to be in this book that I'm writing uh, with with ten other scholars, Alan Key's going to be on, William Federer, a lot of others. If you understood this, you'll know better than the Supreme Court. You'll have more of an understanding of the American law system and legal system than the Supreme Court and pretty much every judge. Pat Robinson from the 700 Club said he spent four years in Yale Law School and not one time was he ever required to read the Constitution. So not only do you need to read the Constitution, you need to read everything that led up to that. And that's that was the word of God. They understood where the ultimate authority in the universe was. And the great thing is, is we've got probably hundred of years of Supreme Court cases and precedents that were ruled on before they separated church and state. We have everything on our side. We have God on our side. We have history on our side. We have the Bible on our side. We've got Supreme Court Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and we've got a hundred year of court precedents. If we just go back to that, we're going to have a blessed nation again, just like we did right up to 1960. You know, folks, the most powerful force in the universe today, even though we don't realize it, is the spirit-filled Church of Jesus Christ. The, 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 all this mess that we are in, we are in because for the most part, the church has refused to engage in what we call the political realm. Folks, listen to me. Politics is the gospel. I'm going to say that again real slow. Politics is the gospel. Folks, politics is what the left has used to overthrow the gospel. Can't you see it? Can't you see marriage, homosexuality, religious liberty? Just run down through it. We have lost all of these fights through politics. Politics is the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, to advance the gospel of the kingdom, to do what Jesus Christ said, go ye into all the world and do what? Teach them to observe all I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Politics is the gospel. I'm sorry if you guys think I'm nuts. We're in this mess because the church has washed its hands like Pilate. Oh, politics, dirty, dirty, dirty. The, hey, the politicians are sending the police to knock on the church door. 
Wake up, church. John, help me wrap this thing up here, man. Well, I just spoke to a pastor's wife not too long ago, and I told her, I said, you realize the Church of Jesus Christ in America just went through a Nebuchadnezzar test and failed? And she looked at me, and I said, what was the Nebuchadnezzar test? I said, the, the governor, the king, all right, the chief executive, passed a law saying you'll break the first and second commandment. And the, the, the Hebrew, young Hebrew man said, no, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We're not breaking the first and second commandment. So not only did they, did they exercise civil disobedience against the civil authority, they had God's law as the, the prime standard and the justification for doing so. I said, America just went and the American church just went through a Nebuchadnezzar test and failed because they sinned against God and violated his law at the whim of a governor. And she said, what do you mean? I said, what's the fourth commandment? She said, keep the Sabbath. I said, no, that's half of it. Man shall work six days and shall rest on the seventh. When a governor told you to shut your business and shut your churches and God commanded you to work six days, guess what? Guess what you did? You violated God's law, right? So since we've abandoned God's law as the standard for all of our conduct, now it is very easy to be misled, to be fooled, and to be enslaved by tyrants. Friends, uh, I, I, I don't want to overemphasize or overdramatize the situation that the American church finds itself in today. Uh, we're going to be going down to, to uh, uh, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, actually, on the 6th and 7th, I'm sorry, 7th and 8th of June, where Pastor Tony Spell down in Louisiana has been thrown in jail for opening his church against a court, not a court order, but a government order, a government, a health department edict. We're going to go down there and stand in support of him. Folks, the church is above the state. The state is not above the church. And until we realize that we have allowed government to pull a coup to see government overthrow Almighty God, that's what's going on. That's what the appeal to heaven is all about. Man, I look down. We only got a couple minutes left. John, take a couple minutes. Close this out for us. Let people know where they can find out more about this, where they can get your books, where they can get more information so that they can help folks. But people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We've got to get our pastors awake, our elders awake, and understand the times in which we live and understand what it is that we need to do. Go ahead, John. Well, hey, let me piggyback off that, and then I'll transition over in. When he says that the church is above the state, he's saying we the people are above the state. We the people, read the Constitution, we created the government. We put them where they're at. That's what it says in the Declaration, at the consent of the governed. They only rule over us according to our consent. So when the governor said, wear a mask, I don't consent to that. And I don't have to because I don't work for you. You work for me. We have got it so absolutely backwards in this country, it's not even funny. But um, you can go... um, go You can get either of my books on Amazon. One's called An Appeal to Heaven, A Cry for Divine Justice, Dr. John Diamond. Uh, The other is called uh, Fighting the Next American Revolution. That's the one I wrote 15 years ago. That's the problem. The appeal to heaven is how to fix it. Then if you would, go to Isaiah3322.com. That's the textbook project we're getting ready to launch. We just released this website. We need to raise the funds for this. All right, we are in 1776, and our founding fathers said this. We pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. 
you have kids and grandkids that will curse you to your face if you do not stand up and stand for God, stand for this country. We need a total re-education of the public schools, the private schools, the court system, the government. That's what this book is intended to do. So please click on that. Donate to the cause, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Um, and let, let's let's get in the fight. Amen, brothers. Hey, folks, we God gave it to us. He said, go, go teach, go teach. Let's step to the plate and get, get this done. God bless you, John. Thanks for being with us. And uh, either Mike or Rob will be back next week. Thanks for being with us. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. At the McClario Firm, it all starts with family. We are here to serve you and your family online. Online. 